0: Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty. This week, I have a meaty middle about how to use the word myself, a tidbit about why we talk about getting the skinny on something—why the skinny—and an excerpt of an interview with my editor, Joe Muscolino. But first, I'm going to be speaking in Boston in about a month, and I want to give you an early heads up. I'll be on panels and will also be giving my very first talk at a live show at a conference called Sound Education about educational podcasts. It's November 1st through 3rd at the Harvard Divinity School. I believe I'll be on a couple of panels on Friday, and then the live show is on Saturday the 3rd. The hour-by-hour schedule isn't final yet, but if you're in the area, I wanted to give you some advance notice, and I'll tell you more when I know more. Also, I have a quick correction. Apparently, I have misrepresented blacksmithing. Last week, we talked about middle voice using a question from a listener who heard the sentence, those spearheads didn't cast very well, and described it as something a blacksmith would say. Well, another listener named Barton said blacksmiths don't cast metal. They heat it and beat it. Metalworkers cast metal. So there you go. I've often said you should trust me about language but not about sports, and now I guess I need to add metal arts to that list. Thanks, Barton. And now, on to the show. How to use the word myself is one of the top 10 or 20 questions I get. Here's an example. Hi,
1: Grammar Girl. This is Chuck Tomasi, your intern grammar guy from ChuckChat.com, home of podcasts Too Numerous Dimension. I hear and see examples of the misuse of the word myself all the time. For example, an email went out from HR like this. Please contact Squiggly, Aardvark, or myself with questions. Could you please help listeners know when the word myself is appropriate and when to use a more appropriate word?
0: Thanks. Excellent, Chuck. Let's dissect what's wrong with that sentence. Please contact Squiggly, Aardvark, or myself with questions. The simplest way to think of it is like this. How would you say the sentence without squiggly and aardvark? Then it usually becomes obvious. You'd say, please contact me with questions, not please contact myself with questions. So when you add in squiggly and aardvark, it doesn't change anything. It's still correct to say, please contact squiggly, aardvark, or me with questions. Digging into the topic a little deeper, myself is what's called a reflexive pronoun. That can be hard to remember, but just think about looking in a mirror and seeing your reflection. You'd say, I see myself in the mirror. You see your reflection, and myself is a reflexive pronoun. That's how I remember the name. So all personal pronouns have a matching reflexive pronoun here are some other pairs—you—yourself and yourselves, her—herself, it—itself, he—himself, one—oneself, our—ourselves, they—themselves. and themselves. And if you're using they as a singular pronoun, some style guides also allow you to use themself as a singular reflexive pronoun. A reflexive pronoun is always the object in a sentence. It can never be the subject. I've talked about this before, but in simple terms, a subject is the one doing something in a sentence, and the object is the one having something done to it. If I hug squiggly, I am the subject, and squiggly is the object. You'd never say, myself hugged squiggly, so you'd also never say, aardvark and myself hugged squiggly. At least, you wouldn't say this in standard English. As an interesting aside, some dialects do use some of these words as personal pronouns in the subject position. For example, some Irish people use himself and herself to refer to an important person, like a boss, the head of the household, or in old times, the lord of the castle. So if you're looking for a shop owner in Ireland and he's out, someone working in this store might tell you himself isn't here right now. So if you're Irish or you're writing fiction with Irish characters, you might actually say something like, herself hugged squiggly, but most of the rest of us wouldn't because it's not standard English. Another time when it's correct to use myself in standard English is when you're both the subject and the object of a sentence. This is what's happening when you're using myself as a reflexive pronoun. For example, if you were to say, I see myself playing maracas, or I'm going to treat myself to a mud bath, in both cases you're the object of your own action, so myself is the right word to use. As another interesting aside, again, in some dialects, people would use me or meself instead of myself in such sentences. For example, you might hear, I'm gonna get me a mud bath, or I found meself at the pub. Meself was actually the way people said it in Old English, according to the Oxford English Dictionary and some people still say meself as slang or as dialect in certain places such as the Northumbrian region of Northern England. It's interesting, but because we're talking about standard English here, myself is the right pronoun for a sentence such as, I told myself to take a deep breath. Also, if you're learning English, you may have noticed that the way we form these words today isn't consistent. If you grew up speaking English, you've probably never noticed this before, but people learning English often ask why we use himself instead of his self and themselves instead of their selves. Think about it. For some of the reflexive pronouns, we use the possessive before the self part—myself and yourself. That is, my sweater, get your jacket— My and your are possessive adjectives. But for others, we use the object form before the self part. For example, himself and themselves. I gave it to him. I sent it to them. Him and them are object pronouns. The only thing I can tell you is that English isn't logical. These words have changed over time, and they haven't all changed the same way, and sometimes the old way or the way that seems more logical continues to exist in dialects. Some people actually do say his self, but it's not the kind of thing you should typically say in a school paper or at work. So if you're learning English, you just need to memorize the standard English forms of these pronouns. Sorry. Moving on. Pronouns like myself and himself can also be used to add emphasis to a sentence, and when they are, they're called intensive pronouns—same words, just a different name because they're being used differently. For example, if you witnessed a murder, you could say, I myself saw the madman's handiwork. Sure, it's a bit dramatic, but it's also adding emphasis in a grammatically correct way. If you want to emphasize how proud you are of your baking, you could say, I baked that cake myself. Again, it's redundant, but myself adds emphasis. The meaning of the sentence doesn't change if you take out the word myself. It would just have a different feeling because it would lack the added emphasis. So there you go. The quick and dirty tip is to think about how you'd write the sentence if you were the only one in it, and then use that pronoun. For example, please contact me. That's where people usually get hung up on the word myself. And then you can also remember that it's okay to use these pronouns for emphasis and when you're the object of your own action. And I hope you enjoyed the asides about dialects. Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast in more than 95 countries, so you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life, which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety, speechwriter and bestselling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication and psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts, or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi. Hey, it's Mignon. Do you need a new literary show to add to your podcast queue? Well, then you definitely want to check out Missing Pages, the chart-topping and Signal award-winning podcast produced by the Podglomerate. Back for a brand new season, Missing Pages investigates the most pressing topics in the book world today, from the rise of Colleen Hoover and book bands across America to the world of ghostwriting. Not to mention, host and acclaimed literary critic Beth Ann Patrick interviews some of the biggest names in the industry, like New York Times bestselling author Jody Pico, and Publisher's Weekly co-editorial director Jim Milliott. And as the Washington Post and The Guardian said, Missing Pages is a, quote, must listen. And I agree. So don't miss out. Follow Missing Pages today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now. Next, here's a listener question. Valerie wrote, I just heard Get the Skinny said by a news anchor, and it got me wondering about the origins. Have you covered that one? I hadn't yet, but now I have the skinny—the news, the gossip, or the real truth—on the phrase Get the Skinny. First, this seems to be a purely American saying, and it's on the rise." A search for the phrase in Google Books shows a steep and steady increase starting around 1975, but the search turned up no use in British English at all, which, frankly, I almost never see. I almost never see no results at all, so that was striking. The Oxford English Dictionary calls the phrase slang and also says it originated in the U.S. and is still chiefly used in the U.S., The first example there is from a 1938 autobiography by Richard Hallett, a writer who was bumming his way around the world. It doesn't appear to be related to the armed forces in any way, but to other sources—Etymology Online and the Dictionary of American Slang—say the phrase started as World War II military slang, and they speculate that it might have evolved from the idea of the naked truth which means the plain truth or the truth told without concealment. The World Wide Words website also has an excellent article on the topic and includes a couple of examples of people quoted in the 1940s and 50s saying it's military slang, but that don't seem to tie it back to the naked truth theory. An alternative theory that I found on the PhraseFinder message board is that during World War II, Marines received their military orders on especially thin paper, and these missives came to be called the skinny, as in, what's the skinny on promotions? But I couldn't find anything to back up that theory, and I'm more inclined to believe the naked truth theory, which I've seen from multiple credible sources. That phrase, the naked truth, first shows up in the Rolls of Parliament in 1436 and may have originally gotten some traction after it appeared in a well-known poem from 1585 titled The Cherry and the Slay. It was written by Captain Alexander Montgomery, who was part of an influential group of poets who gathered around King James VI of Scotland. In the line, he wrote, "'He truly told the naked truth.'" the most likely scenario seems to be that phrases such as get the skinny, here's the skinny, or what's the skinny were being used here and there before World War II, then became popular among members of the United States Armed Forces, and then for some reason started appearing in print more and more in the late 1970s and have been increasing ever since. It might have originated as a slangy reference to the naked truth, but nobody knows for sure. And finally, I came across some interesting obsolete meanings for the word skinny as I was reading the Oxford English Dictionary entry. To be skinny used to mean to be attractive as in having beautiful skin, and it also meant related to or affecting the skin, so doctors might have talked about skinny disorders when referring to skin problems. Thanks for the question, Valerie. Finally, a couple of weeks ago, I recorded a conversation with my editor at Quick and Dirty Tips, Joe Muscolino. We talked about words and editing, why he's a lyrics guy, why I call Ficus Trees Norman, and more. Here's a clip of us talking about what he notices when he's editing and the rule that many Americans want to abandon for the British way of doing things. And so what do you notice, you know, most as your ed- are editing? Um,
1: so so definitely when it comes to editing for audio, make it more conversational. So adding conjunctions for sure. When we we read sentences, it's usually like a very defined beginning and end. But when we're talking, it just kind of rolls along, right? right. Um, so make it as conversational as possible. Um, adding adjectives and adverbs where you feel like it will help sort of um, emphasize a point that you're making. But generally when it comes to editing... I, honestly, what comes to mind first are probably just, like, the pet peeves that I have, which uh, aren't founded any, in anything. It's just that I—because I, I see them a lot and um, I'm I'm used to editing them out, I, like, sometimes can't even help myself be like, oh, why again? Why again? Um,
0: <laughs> Everyone so always like, wants to tell me their peeves. Right? Yeah.
1: And, and I know—and I get it. Like, th- these, like— we should have more patience with, with, with any <laughs> grammatical errors. Like I should have more patience. But um so things like for instance Oxford, Oxford commas. Like I We uh,
0: use them. We use them. Yes.
1: Um love them. love them. It adds clarity.
0: Team Oxford comma. Team Oxford comma <laughs> uh
1: for the win. Um because yeah, any any opportunity you get to add clarity to a sentence, uh take it. That's what Agreed. I say.
0: Yes. <laughs> um
1: another pet peeve of mine is uh, punctuations within quotation marks, mm-hmm. um, and I get that that's a style. Th- I mean, it's different between the UK, but our and America, writers aren't British. But our writers aren't British, <laughs> um, and so I, I always find myself doing that little, that little delete, and then add like a period or add a you know comma um, before the quotation mark. So that's another, that's another <laughs> thing uh, I see fairly often. You know, I'll, that's yeah. the
0: one rule. When I, whenever I post um, that to Facebook about mm. the rule where the comment and period always go inside the closing quotation mark, yeah. it's the one rule where I get always get a lot of comments where people say, "I don't care what you say. Right. It looks wrong to me, and I'm going to do it the way I want right. to do it. It's a stupid rule." <laughs> <laughs> that is the thing. I get the most pushback on that rule. I don't know why, but That's people funny. hate it.
1: Interesting. Yeah, and then they're not necessarily UK listeners. They aren't. Right? They're
0: yeah. Americans. They're like, I just I'm doing it the other way. I don't care. what You know what, what? You say. I mean?
1: It's going to evolve and it's going to go whatever way it goes. And maybe <laughs> it ends up being in a hundred years from now yeah. that we all end up using punctuation outside of yeah. outside of quotation marks. And so. I tend
0: to be pretty descriptivist. You know, I'm you pretty. Are. I, I tend to be pretty laid back. But that is an actual rule. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like if you look right? check any style guide. Yeah. it'll say to do it that way. So it always. So when I
1: see it it always it's like it's like dangling. it's like no yes, you yeah, just put totally it, stick it me. in. yeah <laughs> tuck it in, tuck it in.
0: <laughs> tuck it in. Oh, I like that Yeah. If you'd like to hear the whole interview, it's the bonus episode this week for Stitcher Premium subscribers. Sign up at stitcherpremium slash grammar and use the code grammar for a free one month trial. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. That's all. Thanks for listening.